man, you are looking good. You're singing good. And boy, do you have some gorgeous children. Isn't that fun? I love seeing these kids come down here not having a clue what they're doing. <laughs> Go, kids, wave the branch. <laughs> so fun. It's just a blast. And all of our teenagers, what a fun place to be. Thank you. I've met so many new people today already. And last night, some of you are just your first time back from the COVID world. And others of you are just moved to uh, Fort Collins or northern Colorado. We really do welcome you. And we're thankful that we have some really great churches here in northern Colorado. And we would love the opportunity to serve you if you're really new. Next weekend, we have kind of a fun thing happening. It's a special day. What is it again? Um, oh, Easter. Yeah, Easter. It's like the biggest day of the year. I love it. And uh, I can't wait. We have a Good Friday service at 6.30, which is very contemplative. We're really going to make you think about the suffering of Jesus. And you're going to leave ready to experience that sorrow, but anticipate the joy that's coming. And uh, Saturday night at 5 o'clock, we will have our he is almost risen service. <laughs> and, and then, and then uh, Sunday morning, we're adding, we're throwing one in. 6.30, sunrise. Uh, it rises at 6.18 uh, next Sunday. And it's going to be perfect weather. Right? Um, if it's raining or bad, then watch your social media. We'll cancel it. But 6.30, right out on the north lawn. We have this beautiful north lawn out here. Bring a chair. We're not going to have chairs out there. So if you come, bring a chair, a blanket, a coat. It's about a 25-minute service. It's a very short, just some worship songs and celebration. And then I hope you'll still come to one of our regular services because we have a powerful weekend next weekend planned with a couple in our church who have been willing to share their story of addiction and almost the loss of their marriage and five kids and just the power of God came into their family. And you won't believe what happened when they went from, you know, next week is tomb to tomb, the tomb of death to the tomb of life. And we've all been there. We all have been in places that could have created death in our lives. Maybe not physical death, but emotional death, sorrow, weeping. And God comes and and makes a difference in our world. So don't, don't miss next weekend. The only other thing I need to tell you before we dive in is we are changing our giving platform for online giving, all electronic giving. Watch for some emails that are going to come to you. I don't like these changes, but honestly, it's worth it. It's called PushPay. And uh, how many of you give online? That's, that's what I do. It's just so great. Can I plead with you? Please make the switch. And uh, you got to re-enter your stuff, and I know it's a hassle, and I hate that stuff. But if you'll just do it, it took it takes like two minutes. And so if you'll just pay attention to that, we would really appreciate it. There's some really good benefits. We also save some of the fees at Timberline, and we're all about stewardship. So that will help us if you do that. Thank you. Well, if you're new around here, we are coming up to toward the end of our series called Mirror, Mirror, Moments of Reflection. And this series, I tell you, I have learned so much in this series of how many things actually happened that are mirrored once before the death and resurrection of Jesus and then after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Today we're looking at a message that we have simply called fish to fish. And one of these happens obviously before Jesus dies. Matter of fact, the first incident we're going to read in Luke 5, happens right at the calling 
of the disciples. It's the first thing Jesus does in the book of Luke. He's tempted in the desert, then he launches his ministry with this amazing moment with his disciples that involve the multiplication of fish, of all things. You know, there's a lot of fishing stories in the Bible. Did you know that? There really are. But we're going to look at a couple of them. And then after he dies and resurrects, there's another similar story. Now, what's interesting is many of you, when you read the Gospels, I've done this for years, Matthew has an account of a story. Sometimes Mark has an account of the same story. So does Luke. So does John. But they're all just a little different in detail. And sometimes you you don't know, is this the same story Matthew's talking about, or is it a different story? Well, the two that we're talking about today are three years apart. So they're not even close to the same story. But the similarities will amaze you. So let's get started. Here's what I've done. I, I have two stories, and I've put it down in outline form as the first story, one through three, and the second story, one through three, and then we'll end with a few questions to ponder. So let's begin. If you have your app or if you're following along or you picked up a note sheet, number one is this. It all starts with a question. It all starts with a question from Jesus to a guy by the name of Simon. What's the name we use now for him? Peter. He's called Simon, then he's called Simon Peter many times in Scripture, and then it ends up, he ends up being called Peter. Uh, Luke 5, 1. One day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets, probably just right over here. Just They'd gotten out of their boats, and these are pretty big boats. These net fishing boats are pretty good-sized boats, and They're cleaning stuff out, and they've been fishing all night, and they're done. And so stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asks Simon Peter, its owner, to push it out into the water. And he sat in the boat, and he taught the crowds from there. Why did he do that? You ever been on a lake and heard someone talking? I mean, yeah, boom, the sound just goes, it can go a long ways, and Jesus knew that. And so... He gets into Peter's boat. And I just think this is an interesting beginning because Peter's over here working and Jesus, they knew each other, but Jesus had not officially started his discipleship campaign. So Peter is not a disciple yet. He's not, they haven't had miracles. They haven't been on a journey. This is the beginning right here. So Jesus steps into his boat. I think he looks over at Peter and he goes, is, you know, like, is this okay? Can I, can I get in your boat and can we, can we go out a ways? And Peter's like, you're already in my boat. Okay, let's go. Let's go out a little ways. So I'm, I'm a little busy over here cleaning these nets. Peter gets in. They go out, and they start talking. Here, here's the bottom line of how this whole thing starts. Jesus has a question for you. Think about it. Can I get in your boat? Now you might be thinking, I don't have a boat. <laughs> well, yeah, this is Peter's life. Many scholars believe that he's been a fisherman as occupation for generations. His dad, John, and his dad, and this could go way back. And, and most believe they had many boats. This is a fleet of boats. Peter knew what he was doing. He was a professional fisherman. And Jesus says, can I come into your world? Can I get into what you own? 
And that's the question that Jesus is asking you today and me today. Can I step into your world? Will you allow me to come into your treasures, your kids, your family, your money, your relationships, your talents, your gifts? Jesus says, I want to come into your boat. And he's basically saying, I want to use what is yours to do the work that is mine. Now I'm going to say that one more time because it's important for us. I want to use the work, the tools that are yours to do the work that is mine. See, Jesus wants to use your gifts and your abilities. I've never liked it when I heard people in a platform setting or a preacher say, I didn't want to go to Africa and God called me to Africa. It's like, you know, I'm living in fear as a teenager that everywhere I don't want to go, God's going to make me go there just to punish me the rest of my life. I don't think that's a really good picture. I think God does want us to obey him and sometimes that does happen. But God wants you to flourish. He wants you to use the gifts that you have. He wants you to get up every morning and say, I get to do this. And he will use what you have in your life for the glory of God and for the kingdom. He can take this boat. He can take this fisherman's mindset and turn him into someone who's fishing for men. That's what happens in this story. And it's powerful when you think of it that way. So let, let God in your boat today. Trust him to come into your world. And believe that he has purpose and plan. We always meet a half an hour ahead of our services on Saturday night and Sunday morning. And last night I asked the team who volunteer, all these people you saw up here, our media and sound, a lot of people you don't see around the building. How did you end up serving where you're serving this weekend? Sound, lights, media. And you would not believe the stories that I heard. I was so blown away. And, and it was things like, well, I moved here and came. I didn't know if I would ever be singing in a church. I didn't like big churches, and I always ended up coming to Timberline and felt a little lost. And I thought, I'll just try to get on a worship team. I, I went through the process, and they said, yes, come on. And I've been here eight years. Another one was a volunteer weekend. They went back, filled out a form. One guy came from Tennessee, and he said, well, I'm a TV guy, studio producer, this kind of stuff. And I walked into your media suite, and I'm telling you, our media suite, it's beautiful. It has screens everywhere and all these buttons and knobs. And, and he said, I just knew this was my home. I'm in. Where do I sign up? I'm thinking, seriously? I walk in that room, and I have like an anxiety attack. It's like, where's the 8-track? You know, it's like, right? All this technology. God wants to use you. He wants to use the things you love. And he loved Peter for being a fisherman. Don't forget that. Um, number two. Jesus puts out an invitation. And it's a great invitation. And Peter's not sure what to do with this. But he goes with it. Now pay attention to the details of this. Verse four. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, okay, now that we're done with that, Go out where the water is deeper. Let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we've worked really hard all last night. We did not catch anything. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. <laughs> Remember, this is early in the relationship. Peter doesn't really trust Jesus fully. Doesn't 
he's probably known him for years, who he was, but he doesn't know that, that he's like the son of God. So it's all early, and they get done teaching, and, and, and Jesus is like, hey, you go out a little deeper, put your nets out, and uh, fish a little. You'll catch some fish. Now, if you're Peter, and just be honest, who's the professional fisherman in the story? He says to the Lord, we have been fishing all night. We haven't caught anything. Fish aren't biting right now. They're not even swimming. They're buried. There are no fish in this lake. Have you ever felt that way when you're fishing? And so there's this moment when Peter's like frustrated. He's frustrated. He doesn't want to do it. And then it's like he sighs and goes, because you say so, let's, let's do it. You ever do that? The teenagers do it. Okay, whatever. I love teenagers. Whatever. I can just hear Peter and the, the crew. Here's why. It's not an easy thing to reset your nets. They've been cleaning their nets from all night. It's a big deal. If you've seen these boats and the way they hang them on the boat, it's not like the old, you know, throw the net out and it spins. It's beautiful and you pull it in. This is, these are big nets. And so it's a lot of work to reset these and get back out there. So they, they do it. I, I, think, I think the key phrase is in your life and mine. If I know that the Lord is prompting me, in other words, if you say so, just do it. Yield. Peter's not used to submission. He's not used to humility. You're going to see it in his life. He's going to get hammered. He's, he's a leader. He's reckless. He, he does crazy things. He's the first one to speak whatever comes to his mind. And Jesus starts right here with him saying, do this. And Peter goes, fine. Number three, the key is obedience. Obedience has a little bit to do, especially even in its Greek word in the New Testament, with hearing. So if I hear, I can have the chance of obeying and I need to get it right. In verse 6 it says, At this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking and Jesus has a deep belly laugh. I can just see him going, oh, this is so fun. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, now notice his response, very important because we're going to compare it to John 21 in a minute. When he noticed it, that it was Jesus who did this, he fell to his knees before Jesus and he said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. See, that's what happens when you run into the divine. When your flesh and your selfishness and your lust and your greed and your pride hit God, you wilt. You fall to your knees and you feel the shame and the depth and the sorrow of your sin. And Peter couldn't handle it. He was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught. And so were the others. And they're named here, son, sons of Zebedee. Jesus replies to Simon, don't be afraid. And here's the first commissioning we have in the book of Luke. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. 
And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. This is the beginning, you guys. This is where it happened, right here in Luke 5. And they go, okay, our nets are gone. I'm going to start walking fall. And then for three years, for three years, they saw miracle after miracle. They hung out with Jesus. They saw the blind see. They saw the lame walk. They, they went on quite a journey for three years. And I love this story because Jesus filled their nets so full that they had to call for help. Can I just propose to you that in life, if you invite Jesus into your boat, you might need some help from other people occasionally. You just might need to get help when you're overwhelmed, when you feel like your boat is sinking, when you can't do it anymore. Get some help. Get a friend. If you have someone that you can trust, you are fortunate. This sermon's about trust. It really is. And, and I've read some recent polls. How many people does the average American have in their life that they trust? You know what the number is? Two. Some would say five. Some would say eight. And it depends on the level of trust you're talking about. I have way more than two that I would trust with my life, and I'm fortunate. Because some people have zero this is about trust. They needed some help from their partners, and they got it. And then God wants you to overcome your shame. See, you can't, you can't follow Jesus and live in the guilt of your sin the rest of your life. Get out from that. Jesus wants to release you from it. It's why he came. It's why he came. And so many people just feel so bad for what they did, for the pain they caused. I know that. And maybe it is awful. And maybe you're going to, you know, you're going to suffer from that on this, in this life on this earth. But at the end of the day, live forgiven. Live without that blanket on you. Now, three years later, we go to John 21. This happens to be after Jesus has died and risen from the dead. Every week we've had, we've had the cross up here with these different things. This is fish to fish. How many of you knew that was a fish? Yeah, so before the cross, after the cross. So let's take a journey, three years to John 21. Number one, I started over with the numbers because it's a new story. So the first point under this story is Jesus repeats with a similar miracle. And it's amazing how similar it is. This is not the same miracle. This is three years later. It's completely different, but the same. Let me read it. Later... Jesus appeared again to his disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. Now, he's appeared two or three times already up to this point. The, to the women at the tomb, remember that? They go back and tell the disciples, and then they run to the tomb. So, so they know he's alive. There's rumors that he's alive, but this is a special moment because Peter watched him die. I mean, you think about what's happening in this story. And let me read it. This is how it happened, John says. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana, sons of Zebedee, two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out to the boat. See, he didn't sell his boats, he just left them. But they caught nothing all night. Does that sound familiar? At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. But the disciples couldn't see who it was. Later on in this story, it says it's about 100 yards 
out. So that's a pretty long, long ways. He called out, fellas, have you got any fish? Jesus is such a jokester. Seriously, did he know they didn't catch any fish? Yes, he did. You know, when you're a fisherman and you catch a lot of fish, you want people to ask you if you caught fish. But if you don't catch any, you don't want anybody to ask. Hey, fellas, have you caught any? No. Then he said, throw your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll catch some. So they did. They caught a haul. Love that. Or they couldn't even haul them in. The net was so filled with fish. I love when Peter says, I'm going fishing. Why is he saying, why, why does the text start with that? Any ideas? He's disillusioned. He's frustrated. This, this king, who's supposed to set up his kingdom on the earth, and Peter's going to be his number one guy, dies. Well, that was nice. I just gave the last three years of my life, and none of my expectations have happened. <sighs> Big question. Have you ever been disappointed by God? I have. I'm just being honest. I have. But God, this is what I told you to do. You didn't do it. What's up with that? Peter's disillusioned, and what is the default? He goes back to what he knew. Think about this. Well, I don't know about the Jesus thing. I don't know where our kingdom went. I don't know. Rome is still in charge. I'm going to go fishing. And they all go, me too. <laughs> Let's get in the boat. Let's go. So they do. And Jesus comes walking along the shore. Hi, guys. You got anything? No. Throw your nets on the right-hand side of the boat. Man, I think this was a big moment. And I think subconsciously, how many of you can remember three years back? Probably not what you had for lunch today three years ago. But the big events in your life? I think something happened subconsciously in Peter and John and those in the boat. When, and I wonder if John says, when was the last time someone asked us to throw our nets in the water? You ever been on a hike and you come up on a meadow and there's like some deer in there and they hear you and they're grazing and all of a sudden they go, and their ears go up. It's like, I think that's kind of what happened to them. They, they were startled. And what's that voice? Is that, there's a ring to that, to that voice. Who is this guy? Should we try it? Let's, let's just try it. We throw our nets over. And the minute those fish start hitting the nets, John, the person who's writing this, you know what he always calls himself? The disciple whom Jesus loved. In his, in his own book. That's his name. It, it is. Check it out. And he says, it says in the text, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Wow. Imagine that moment. And Peter knows it. And he's looking back at three years and all the journey in between. And suddenly he puts, grabs his tunic and he jumps into the water and he starts swimming marathon speed right to Jesus. What did he do last time? 
Do you remember? Come on, it's only been 10 minutes. <laughs> he fell down. Get away from me. I'm ashamed. Boy, not this time. This time he knew he wanted to be with his Savior. He knew the truth of the story. There's something that happens about trust and faith when you give your all, when you say yes to letting Jesus in your boat, and suddenly Peter is out of there. He doesn't care about the fish anymore. He cares about his leader and his master and the relationship, and he knows he's denied him. The last time he was been, had any discussion about Jesus, he denied him. How many times? Three times. He swims to shore. I think there's a big hug. I think there's weeping. Jesus has a little fire going. Matter of fact, we started this series, if you were here, with Pastor Jeff doing a sermon called Fire to Fire. The fire of denial and the fire of forgiveness. This was that story. I'm not stopping here very long, but I just want to remind you of it. Jesus recreates the moment. Peter, last time he was by a fire, he's denied him three times, and now Jesus builds a fire in love and acceptance and grace. That's what God does for us. Praise God. So here's what happens. He cooks some breakfast with some of the fish they just caught. 153 of them. They counted them. And then the discussion moves into a very private moment between Jesus and Peter. And it's a life-changing moment for Peter. And we start to understand he's a primary leader among the disciples and among the churches. Number two in your outline is three times, same question. Three times, same question. Verse 14. This was the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. What is going on here? Well, let's start with this. How many times did he deny Jesus? How many times did Jesus ask him this question? Three. It's almost like reading between the lines, you get this idea that Jesus is just going back and undoing the layers. Peter, you're clean now. That's over. You love me. And by the third time, when he asks him again, he uses that powerful word for love, agape. Do you agape love me? Unconditional love no matter what. And Peter almost gives up and he says, Lord, you know better than me. As much as I know what love is, I love you. But do I love you? Do I love you? 
And what is the more than these? What do you think that is? Do you love me more than these? Is he looking at the fish? Is Jesus saying, do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than your past career? I'm calling you to something new. I'm recreating you to use your gifts, your abilities, your talents for my kingdom. Do you love me more than that? You know I love you. This begins a whole new journey. Feed my sheep. What does that mean? It means be a leader among my people. Represent me. Preach the word. Preach the truth. Proclaim my message on this earth. And this whole thing came about with a simple question. Can I get in your boat? Sure. You guys, you don't know where God's going to lead you, but he's going to lead you. And when you make a decision to follow him, it starts a journey. It changes every day. I'm more committed to the Lord now. I understand him more now than I did last year on this same day. And I hope that that marks the rest of my life, that I'm learning. It's a process. It is called a journey. Let's wrap up with a couple of questions, all right? Number, number three in your outline under the second story. Will I hear God's voice? Will I really hear his voice? I mentioned it earlier that obedience has to do with hearing. And what's my response to, Derry, can I come into your boat? Can I come into your world, your life, your kids, your family, your grandkids? Can I, are you going to let me in everything? Will you let me redefine you? <laughs> or will you try to tell me what you want to be? Will you cast your net where I say to cast it? Will you believe in me when it's hard? The big question, and this is in your outline, I think it's the last thing there. Will I trust this God who created me? Will I actually trust him with the rest of my life? To let him be the captain of my world, my boat, my life. We don't own anything. We are stewards of his grace. Where do I start? Today we get to celebrate with communion. We're going to do this a little different than we have the past few weeks, but we're going to make some proclamations about our trust. Now when you open this, I think I say this every time because I made the mistake one time. Start with the bread, right? And just set it to the side there. And then if you don't mind going ahead and opening the cup side as well so that you're all ready. Because we're going to take these pretty close together today. When, when Jesus was with his disciples before the cross, and he took that bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body. They had no idea that this would be what would be laid down for their life. They wouldn't have to lay their life down. All they had to do was let him in their boat. Substantiation. Theologically, that's what it's called. It's where there's a substitute for your sin. And that broken body was broken for you and today and for the last couple thousand years believers all over the world hold this bread in their hand and they say lord thank you 
I trust you. This is, this is a trust symbol. It's a symbol that no matter what's going on in my life, some of you are in the middle of it right now. Some of you, your boat's about to sink. Hold this tightly. And when you eat it today, whisper the words under your breath, I trust you, Lord. Same with the cup. This is his blood. This is what forgiveness is. We don't have to sacrifice animals. We don't have to be put on the cross because he did it. And we can live grateful. Lord, thank you for your broken body and your shed blood. When we take this today, we're doing this in gratefulness and in remembrance of what you did for us, that we can be right here today. We give you thanks. Let's take the bread. Let's take the cup. Would you just tell him thank you right where you are? Just make an altar right there and express your love and gratitude. Lead us and guide us, oh God. With heads bowed in here, I think it would be very appropriate for me to just give you a question. I don't know. Some of you might not even believe there is a God. Timberline has people in it at every stage, trying to find faith, not knowing faith, living an addicted life. But you're here today. Those of you online, same with you. I just, I challenge you. If you want to start your journey today and say, come into my boat. I, I invite you into my world, my life. It's yours. But I don't know what to do after that, so you're going to have to show me. I don't even know what it means. If you want to start today, let me just lead you in a simple prayer that gets you started. If you're separated from God for whatever reason, would you just slip up a hand to him, not to me, but to him and say, I'm going to pray this prayer, Lord, and it's going to start our journey. I'm inviting you into my boat. Just do it right now. Put it up. Amen. Amen. You can put it right back down. You're just saying, I'm in for this. I'm going to start today. Those of you online, wherever you are, right, if you're home, just lift your hand. Put it back down. Just say, say something like this in your own words. Lord, I need you in my boat. I want you in my life. I don't know how to fully get there, but I, I'm expressing today that you are invited into my heart, into my world, into my family, into my worries, into my anxiety, into my hate, into my shame, into my guilt. Would you come and come with, go with me? I accept you. I want you here. And I want to pledge my life for the purposes you're calling me to. And I trust you for this kind of a future. I give you my all. You guys, that's the beginning. That's the start line. Let this journey happen now in faith. And everyone said amen. <laughs> amen.